welcome for the very first edition of the Style Guides podcast. My name is Brad Frost. I'm Anna Debenham. And today we are pleased to have Gina Bolton with us. Gina, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Fantastic. So I think we're going to just really jump right into it. So Gina, you've been working with a load of brands, a load of different, uh, you know, you have a wealth of experience about sort of creating these style guides. Could you give us just sort of an overall uh, sort of background on, you know, sort of where you're at, what you're working on, and and sort of what your trajectory has been? Uh, Sure. Just in terms of style guides, you mean? Yeah, yeah, I guess, well, you know, sort of, I guess, where are you working now? Okay, uh, I'm currently working at Salesforce on the uh, product UX team, um, and you know one of our big projects is the style guide. So pretty excited. <laughs> um, so to give a little bit of background, um, I guess you know I started with the typical brand guidelines uh, when I was working in an agency, and those were done with PDFs. And I guess like over the years. Um, kind of started moving more towards online and then at some point realizing that it's even better doing it living in the application itself um, Mm -hmm. versus you know having a um, I I remember when I was at Apple I actually had it running on a WordPress (laughs) (laughs) that didn't work out so well but yeah just um, lately I've been focused on uh, designing um, systems and working with UI uh, libraries and style guides and um, especially um, for the team I'm on right now it's a really large design team and we have a lot of different products and different uh, features and you know lots of lots of different things to think about and so for what we're doing it's extremely uh, crucial yeah yeah absolutely um so so going back away, so you've been working with, with style guides now for what, you know, five, six years? Uh, I want to say around 2004 or so, so about 10. Oh, wow. Okay, wow. Yeah. awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. And it started off with like sort of the more sort of traditional brand style guides. So do, do you want to actually talk about sort of the differences? Because you, you've written about this, which I think is phenomenal, sort of the differences between the different sort of types of style guides, right? So you were saying that whenever you started off uh, in the agency world, sort of working with these brand style guides, but it's sort of, you know, where in your mind is that sort of differentiation between sort of what's a, what's a brand style guide versus what's a code style guide versus a front end style guide? You know, is there a, a difference to you or, or how do you sort of talk about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, starting out, it was brand. Uh, we actually did also um, have a section for documenting the CSS, but that was in PDF format. Like we'd go line by line in CSS and explain um, what we were doing and but mainly it was more about um, here's the color palettes here's the typography and here are the different uh, grid options like for uh, top level pages secondary pages and so on and was that um, based off kind of print print brand guidelines yeah exactly and so I guess like I think the term style guide, um, as far as I'm aware, is, was mostly originating from writing style guides, and it sort of got adopted by agencies for brands as well. 
and now like everyone's working on applications and so it, it's sort of become like this umbrella term for general documentation but um i definitely feel like there are differences like uh, between like component or ui libraries versus like code documentation versus mm -hmm. you know branding guidelines and some people try to blend it all into like one uber doc <laughs> or some people keep them separate um and so actually what we're working on right now is sort of separating these different things and then maybe giving it um, a shared navigation, but like allowing each thing to be very focused. Um, and I'm pretty excited about the direction we're heading in for that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Do you want to, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? So, so I guess where, so you're at Salesforce and you guys have a style guide currently, right? And so you're talking about sort of the next generation. What are your plans for for that? Is to sort of split it up a little bit, or? Yeah. So um, the style guide is actually when I saw it, I thought it was beautiful, and it's why I wanted to join this team. Um, oh. And it does a lot of you know great stuff. It's got our colors. It's got swatches. Um, shows our icon fonts and our SVG fonts shows our components and it kind of compiles them into little examples. You can sort of see all the components, how they work together for different screens. And it does a lot of things. Um, but since that was built, uh, we've improved a lot of our thinking around our system and our tools. Um, one of them we uh, wrote about uh, fairly recently on Medium, uh, our living design system is what we're calling it. And it's basically because we, so we have to actually, I'll also think about Android, iPhone, Windows, and all these different um, platforms, and we need to build a design system that's agnostic to all those different ways that design can be consumed. So we created this tool called Theo, which basically is, uh, we keep all our design properties in one file, like colors, fonts, all that stuff, and then we actually generate SAS, LESS, Stylus, um, JSON, XML, um, all the different formats needed for all these different platforms that we're wow. on. And so every yeah, time we update, like maybe we have an accessibility um, uh, change we need to make, like a color isn't contrasted enough. We make that change in one space or one spot and it propagates to all those different um, platforms. So, um, wow, that is ambitious. <laughs> that is yeah, ambitious. but it's, it's, it's working really well for us and it's awesome because it means, um, the developers, we don't need to track down every single developer to make a color change. Like we can just make it on our end. And then when they do a pull or a build, they just bring that in. Um, is, uh, so, is Theo something that other people can use or is it just? Yeah, we've open sourced it. Um, we have a GitHub repo um, and some people have already started exploring with it and even contributing to the code base, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so we'll be doing a lot more writing and, and articles on that because we're pretty excited about it, especially for our space. You know, we're in the enterprise space, so just, a, you know, we kind of have to build a system like this. Yeah, that's a, that's great. I think that sort of building on that, as as far as you guys are concerned, and, and this is something I, I hear come up a lot, and especially with your experience, you know, how how far down the style guide rabbit hole do you, do you go and like how do you enforce it how do you how do you 
are, are you ruling with an iron fist? And it sort of seems like you guys are, are all in on this uh, sort of unified language and there's really not a lot of deviation. And, and that's sort of something I hear uh, from quite a few people, actually. They say, well, you know, we're sort of scared. We don't, we don't, we don't want to be handcuffed by this sort of, you know, by this language. And, you know, we still want to be able to do our own thing. Or, you know, in your experience, you know, have you found that sort of thinking to be uh, justified? Or, or, is it, or is it something somewhere in between? I don't know. Yeah, so... Um First, uh, to answer the first part, um, how we get people on board with this, um, you know, some designers still work within like redline specs. Mm. Um, some work in the browser. When it comes to delivering a design, uh, we have a workplace where um, we tell our designers and our developers um, to not think in hard-coded values, but to think in the named values, which you could think of them as like SAS variables. Uh, we've also used the word tokens. Um, Right now, we're calling them like the actual system that we're building is like our design properties. Um, so instead of you know hex of four 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 for text, you wouldn't spec that. You would spec the name color text, and then if we ever change that text color, um, their specs are still going to be up to date. Right. And so um, we always you know make sure anything that we're delivering is using the the names versus the actual output value. Very and interesting. So, so everything is a variable, in other words. Uh, yeah, everything that needs to, you know, be reusable. Sure, and sure. Um, it's not just about, like, reusability, but it's also, you know, if we decide we want to change the background color, that also affects, like, you know, now we're going to also make sure the text color that's on that background color still is accessible. And so it just kind of helps keep everything more centralized. Mm -hmm. And we can... We don't have as many bugs to fix if we if we are all on board on this system. Um, it's definitely been a new process for a lot of our uh, new um, designers and even some designers that have been here for a while. Um, so it's definitely a, you know an ongoing iterative process, but it's I, I feel like it's like uh, getting better and better with each release, which has me really excited. Um, and it's also awesome to see like you know I kind of check out like what's going on and um, um, any like issues or bugs that come up. And if something's hard coded, you can just be like, well, don't use a hard coded value <laughs> and then you'll be fine. So um, yeah. And, and then in terms of like being able to still feel like it's your design and exploring, um, we definitely don't want to be dictators <laughs> in this. Mm. Like nobody wants to have a design, you know, totally dictated and you're just kind of pushing things around or, or whatever. So right. we still encourage like exploration and prototyping and wireframing. And we still do a lot of that. It's just when it comes to like final like delivery, then we just need to make sure, you know, do we need to create new values or, or um, design properties or do we need to adjust a one, one that we already have? Like we're part of that process towards the end to make sure like we're still using a system. Right. So do you have, one person in charge or is it kind of everyone's responsibility to keep it up to date uh it's sort of a team so I'm on a team that um and it's I don't want to say like in charge it's more of a collaboration mm. um like we we definitely want to work with other designers so it's still their design but it um it's not sort of like this dictator thing it's more of like a collaborative effort yeah but so so you guys your team isn't working 
so you guys are sort of overseeing the the overall sort of system, but sort of working with each individual team to sort of make sure that that all that thinking and stuff makes it into the the final language. Yep. Okay. Ah, oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. <laughs> at, at, at other places you've you've worked and and people you've worked with, has has that been the case? Like, do you see that as sort of like an organizational necessity in order to sort of have this uh, sort of the night's watch of this style guy. <laughs> I like I like putting it that way. <laughs> it's nice. Now, um, you know, I've worked at a lot of smaller companies, and when you're on a much smaller design team, you know, I fully recognize it's hard to have, like, people that are just full-time dedicated on this. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, when I was at Do.com, which was – uh, the previous startup that was owned by Salesforce that I was at before I moved over to this team, um, you know, we only had three designers. And um, so it was really just sort of something like I would try to just take the time to do. So if anytime any code was going to go live, it's like we always made sure um, I would look over the, the pull requests and, you know, try to make sure it's still following the system. Um, it's kind of a lot of work for one person to do. So it's awesome if you can get a team to do it. Um, And I think it's worth investing in a team to do this, especially if you're working on either something large scale or maybe even like if if you have various projects. Um, I actually, when I was in Memphis recently for creative works, I stopped by this design agency, uh, Archer Malmo, and talked with their designers and developers about it. They were looking at trying to build some system for all their various clients. Like maybe each client's website is different. Mm-hmm. They still wanted to sort of use some of the same patterns and systems. And so I think it could be applied to a lot of different things. Is it something you've had to sell to companies or is it just something that you've kind of done in the background? Um, so in the past, like I would try to like sell it, you know, to my manager, my team. And sometimes, you know, um, you know, people look at it as sort of busy work and sort of deprioritize it. Um, and I, I especially think it's a problem if you're trying to do it all in one go, like maybe at the end of the release versus of, like iteratively um, during working mm-hmm. towards a release. Um, when I was at Engine Yard, though, I had the opportunity uh, to work on this as my first project with them. And that was the first time I wrote about uh, living style guides. Um, and it was the first time I had tried it. Um, it was like my first project just to kind of get to know the app was to refactor the code base and create a living style guide. And um, so I didn't have to sell anyone on that. So that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I think the key thing like that I always try to harp on is like, you know, it's definitely important, but just never like wait till the end, like just do it as part of uh, your process and it'll make things way more manageable and it'll make it more realistic. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's been my experience as well is sort of putting it off into the end or treating it sort of as a separate thing is just asking for it to just sort of die on the vine or, or just sort yeah. of become, you know, sort of outdated and, and obsolete. So I've been using the term zombie style guide. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. So, so you're really involved in in a lot of sort of the the, the SaaS development and stuff like that, and, and sort of naming, and and you sound like you have some sort of interesting things going on as far as sort of how your 
creating a maintainable code base so that all of your sort of SaaS stuff and uh, you know is is up to date sort of in the in both the production environment and as well as the style guide. Do you want to talk a little bit about sort of code specific style guides and sort of what what values are you looking for? What you know what have you found useful? What have uh, have developers that you've been working with? Uh, what what do they find useful? Uh, sure. Um, so yeah, this I, I worked on the SaaS website, and it was the first time working on a website that I knew I was going to be open sourcing, mm. um, which is a really, uh, from my personal experience, was a very new um, experience for me, and I learned a lot from it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I was concerned with um, maintainability over time. Like if people are contributing to the site design and and code base, which I totally encourage people to do. I was worried about the style guide getting out of sync, mm -hmm. and I didn't want that to happen. Um, so actually, like what I, um, some of the things I did on the SAS website ended up um, being pretty similar to what we ended up doing for the design system I was talking about that we're doing at Salesforce. Um, but the SAS website's built on middleman, um, so uh, the technology I used uh, to do this was I, um, so Metalman allows you to have a folder for JSON or YAML files, mm -hmm. and then you can uh, use that data within uh, the rest of your, your site. And so um, what I had done is I had a YAML file with all my colors and, um, you know, type sizes and things like that. And so the markup in the style guide uh, would generate off of that. And then um, if you're working within a Ruby code base, you can actually um, ex change the extension of your SAS file. So you can actually inject Ruby in your SAS file, which is totally not like a totally kosher thing to do, but it works. <laughs> <laughs> and so what I was doing was I was generating uh, the CSS variables and class names for each swatch um, off of that same file. And so anytime a new color is added, provided, you know, the person contributing does it there, uh, the new swatch will just automatically, like, show up in the style guide. Yeah. That's so pretty clever. cool. Yeah. That's yeah, I thought it was pretty neat. Um, but now you have, like, SAS maps and all this stuff that's out now, so I kind of want to go back and see if I can refactor it to be a little cleaner. Mm. But it's working for now. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and that I think that that's sort of little things like that, you know, just just go a long way to making sure that that the style guide is is as up to date as possible, and that and that all the nooks and crannies and stuff are taking are taken care of. Because uh, in my experience, it's it's easy to okay, here are the brand colors, here are the interface colors we're using, but then we'll deviate from those, and there'll be one or two that just aren't account accounted for. So that's that's a, a really clever technique. That's really Thank cool. You. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any um, any tips on variable names for things like colors? Because you mentioned about the colors changing, and mm -hmm. um, I fell into the trap of using the color name as a variable and. Yeah, so I've seen a lot of debate on whether colors should be named by their color or names for what they're used for. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I prefer to do both. And so for clarity, I have all my colors named so I know what they are because I don't have every hex value memorized. <laughs> Maybe you do. I don't. <laughs> Amateur. <laughs> <laughs> so I have them all named so I, I know what the colors are but then 
I have names that are semantically named, like maybe it's color text or color text link, and then color background, color background input or like whatever. And I, I always use uh, broad to specific because then when you have them all stacked up, yep. you can kind of easily scan them. And so, and then you might even have like a color name used in more than one place and that's okay. Um, so I might have two color text variables that point to the same color variable, but I think that's okay because then it means like maybe if you need to change one but not the other, you don't have to do like this crazy refactor. You can just change it in one spot. Yeah. And so like maybe I have a file for like all my header styles. I might have um, I might have um, things that are specific to the header, but they would just like point back to the global styles. Yeah, uh, that's really clever. Yeah, I think that sort of multi-tiered level of variables does come in handy. So then yeah, you're able to sort of be be literal, but then also sort of apply it to a context and sort of, you know, ebb and flow depending on where you need it. That's really Yeah, cool. and of course, like, for really, really simple sites, that might be, like, too much abstraction. But for really complex sites, I think it's super handy. Mm. Yeah, so so speaking of, of really complex sites and sort of coming back to, I think, so the organizational challenges and, and opportunities, uh, we, we sort of jumped right in here, but, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, which is awesome. And, and that's obviously, you know, what we're here to do. But just sort of, you know, taking a step back in, in your, your, you know, really long time dealing with these style guides and stuff, like what have you seen to be the, the biggest benefits for an organization and also sort of some of the challenges sort of that, that this type of thinking, this type of uh, uh, technique uh, really sort of brings to, to the organization? For our particular use case, um, there's a ton of benefits. Um, obviously, the documentation piece is nice because, you know, if we have new designers joining a team, which happens very frequently, mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to get up to speed. Um, but I think the biggest benefit out of all is the fact that um, we're not just documenting. Like, we are building a, a tool and a system, and it's been making our design changes happen a lot faster, um, which is really amazing for us. And... Um, I, I feel like the overall quality is is getting better and better. Um, so I guess like for me, it's like it's I'm even less interested in the the guide aspect of the style guide right now. Like I'm interested in the system. Yeah. Um, so that to me, that's the hugest benefit of all. I, I guess it's seeing it less as documentation and more as a tool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that that's that's where that that real that word living right in in your right. what you talk about living style guides versus here's a style guide is like that's nice <laughs> I might throw this in the trash can, <laughs> but, but a living yeah. style guide is is more is more a tool is more useful. So oh, that's awesome. So and and as far as the organization, so so naturally, of course, designers and developers are are sort of on board with this. They're the ones actually sort of making use of it um how is the rest of the organization sort of reacting to it like how uh, you know business owners or product owners or i don't know exactly what what your organization calls them but the suits and the the, the managers <laughs> and the the sort of higher ups like do they understand and appreciate this and and do you have to sort of talk to them and sort of have you know conversations or convince them of anything or 
Um, so I'm not often in conversations with uh, the quote-unquote suits <laughs> um, right now, but I, I can um, I can definitely see that they value it, um, especially um, when you just see the product getting better and better and better. Of course, you know they care about that. Yeah. Um, and it's also really like a, an added bonus. It's, it's really cool for recruiting because when we're putting this stuff out there, people see like that. Me. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, you. exactly. They got me because of it. So you know, they definitely see value in it. Um, the two, like any specifics, I um, I don't really have an answer for that. <laughs> sure, sure. But I, I, I guess I again, and sort of uh, very often the the sort of non designer, non non technical people, in my experience, are are often the ones that are saying, "Well, but but we're different. We need to be we need to be purple, right?" Uh, whereas the rest <laughs> of the site is is uh, or the application is is totally not purple. But you sort of have somebody that's that's not a designer developer sort of weighing in and saying, "No, I'm a special snowflake." Give me, give, <laughs> give me my own, you know, sort of unique sort of execution. Have you ever sort of come across that or am I alone in that? <laughs> um, not in this particular um, job, but I, I definitely have had things like that happen in past gigs. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, that's, I mean, that's great to hear, though, that, that sort of the organization is, is on board with it. So uh, sort of coming back to this whole Theo thing, I'm, what I'm really curious about do you have so so you sort of have ios you have android you have your web property you have sort of all this stuff in sync right all sort of sharing the same design language do you do you ever run into instances wherever you know ios and android are have sort of conflicting patterns or you know or or web and ios and i don't know Mm -hmm. Part of part of the generation of these files that Theo does is, um, like for Android, um, transparencies are going to use like an eight-digit hex. Mm. Um, but like for the web, you you probably use RGBA, mm-hmm. um, and you know other things like values. Like maybe for Android, you're using DP or SP, and um, maybe points for iOS or whatever it is that uses. Um, and then maybe you're using REM for for the web, um, it does that conversion as well. Wow. <laughs> and then because it's it's part of the build process, like when we make a change, it's not going to immediately like change on the, um, the engineering teams and until they pull it in and build um, build their app. So it's not like we're, like they're going to be working and all of a sudden something switches from red to green. <laughs> and right. they'd be like, what just happened? Right. Um, it would be like part of... Yeah, yeah. When they're ready to pull it in, um, then they would bring it in. Okay. So, so this is more for sort of global styles that are that are shared, things like color and typography and stuff. But, but I, I guess sort of more on like a component by component level, maybe those things aren't shared as much. Is that what I'm getting? Um, currently, yeah. Like, so the the Android team is going to build a component very differently from the way okay. um, you know a web team would. Um, and yeah, so this Theo system is. Is really just a, a glossary of design values That's awesome. or design properties, yeah. um, and then we're building other tools for the web. Like right now, I'm working as well on a, a CSS slash UI framework thing, um, but obviously that wouldn't really be used on the native teams. 
So we're kind of building like multiple sets of tools and some will consume others. Um, but yeah, I feel good about separating all these things into like little packageable tools. <laughs> yeah. So, so I get that, that actually leads quite nicely into sort of, I guess what will be our, our last question is, is sort of what is your end goal, right? What is, what is that ideal setup for you? What, what is, is in your opinion, the, the perfect style guide, the perfect sort of workflow and organizational setup? <laughs> World domination. No, um, <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's like kind of the direction we're heading right now is, um, especially for what we need, I would think would be the end goal is having um, the glossary of all the different design values that can be consumed by whatever platform or, you know, whether you're native or web. Um, and then having, like, design principles outlined for, like, color, typography, and all that stuff. That's sort of, like, more of a traditional style guide. Um, and then having, like, a component library, um, which can be used... Um, for really anything that you're trying to do on on our platform. Um, and these could be like totally separate code bases, but um, sharing the same navigation. Sort of like, mm. I really like how the Android design guidelines share the same navigation as the uh, developer guidelines, but they're like yeah. very different entities. Um, so that's kind of the direction that we're going in right now. That is awesome. I think that's a that's a great thing to shoot for, and that's really awesome that that not only do you have a style guide already that that you are working on this sort of next generation. So really excited to see uh, where that ends up, and also uh, again, sort of kudos to you guys. Back to it being a recruitment tool. I mean, I think that it's a it's just a great tool to to see out in the wild for for me to be able to dive into Salesforce's style guide and like I've I've combed through it many times, just sort of going, <laughs> what are they calling this thing again? I, I I think it's it's I think it's so cool though that that you guys are are really you know putting it all out there, putting it out in the open and, and iterating on it and writing about it. And, uh, I just want to say thank you for that. So. Awesome. Yeah. But we'll keep doing what we're doing. A little toggle thing as well. The, the brightness toggle. That's really cool. <laughs> Okay. Well, hey, Gina, thank you so much for coming on this. Thank you for being our first guest. I hope that it wasn't it wasn't too too crazy for you. So, um, but yeah, thank you. Really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, and yeah, thanks. Yeah, thank you. This is awesome. I'm excited for more episodes. <laughs>